to New Zealand Vegan Podcast. I think it's episode 65. I'm your host, Elizabeth Collins. And I just um, wanted to talk this week about um, domestication again. It's my, it's my word, word du jour. Um, I've had, you know, I just want to give another shout out to people who... Um, spend all their time uh, rescuing animals, non-human animals, and finding them homes, or taking care of them while they try to find homes for them, and all those kinds of things. I, um, I've been kind of um, distracted uh, the last few days, or a week or so, because um, I have, you know, two cats. I have Jabby, who uh, is making a lot of noise in the background. She's playing. And I I take her outside with me, and I go and sit in the garden, and me and Buddha go out there, and she plays and runs around. And um, But I thought that maybe she was going into heat early, you know, uh, because the other night there was... Um, a really uh, a cat was meowing and meowing and I could hear the noise I I'm sort of attuned to cats I spot them on the street and because I really look for them you know I love looking at animals and so I see them and I say hey and they look at me like oh what do you want you know they're just on the street like domestic cats like people's you know pets or whatever and I always try to stop and you know, look and say hello if they allow me that they'll come out and talk to me. A lot of the cats in my neighborhood know me. I walk to work every every time I go to work. I walk and um, some of them are my friends. But there was a, a cat meowing and, and it was about really late. And I thought, oh, gosh, that sounds like a cat. Um, and I quietened down and I listened. And, and then I went looking because uh, I, I thought, well, maybe he's in trouble. It sounded like a really kitten, like a really high-pitched meow. But, you know, anybody who's been around a lot of cats, you, you can never tell a cat by the meow because you can have an enormous, big male cat and he has the squeakiest little meow. You just can't tell. So I don't know. I just thought, well, there's a cat in trouble. And I went outside and and I looked into the house and I saw the eyes. You know, they're very reflective. And I was like, oh, yes, there is definitely a cat. There's a cat. Okay. And then the, the cat was moving and I thought, oh, um... He must, or she must be okay, but something's wrong because they're meowing and meowing um, and looking for something. And um, and then I had a horrible thought that, I thought, oh, this is a tomcat and Jebby is in heat. And, you know, she went further than she normally did that day and she went over the back where she's never gone before and I couldn't, I didn't know where she was for like, a few minutes, or I, I had all these thoughts like, oh no, she's pregnant, and it's my responsibility, and this is a tomcat, and she's in heat, and la la la, anyway, long story short, I I could hear him meowing around, all around where Jebby had been, and it was about like, by now, it's like three in the morning, and I thought, well, I could see him moving around, I kept going outside, and I was calling him, and uh, I was shaking like a bag to try to like attract him, and he seemed interested, in, and I thought, well, I know, I just knew, I thought, I, I know he's going to come inside. I just knew he was, because I have a cat door that opens inside from the wall. And I let, lock it 
to prevent Jebby from going out because she's still too little, but Buddha just goes in and out all night and she just fights. If I don't let her out, she just bangs and bangs and bangs on the door. She needs to pee. I think she's done using her little box. So anyway, long story short, so he came. I knew he was going to come in, so I just went back to bed and I was like, well, I can't catch him, but I just have a feeling that Jebby's in heat and he's after her and he's going to come in. Sure enough, I hear this frantic, you know, noise in the kitchen and there he was, this beautiful, you know, gorgeous little cat and um I thought okay he's inside he's locked in I'm sure he's a tomcat otherwise this wouldn't be happening um and I need to uh I need to figure out what to do it's really hard because I don't have a big place and I don't have a lot of money and it's just, oh man, there's just so many uh, non-humans that need our help, and you just feel so helpless sometimes. But anyway, so I thought, well, I'll keep him in my house tonight. I'll give him some food and water. I'll lock him in the bathroom where the kitty litter is, and I'll get another kitty litter for Jebby, um, and I will... And I will figure out what to do tomorrow, and I'll call the local sort of cat rescue places because I'm scared of cats. When they go, when they want to attack you, they can really hurt you. And I don't want to, you know. I work in a cattery, and um, in fact, there's a comment on a on a post that I really should read. Somebody left a comment on a post that I really need to respond to. And if that person's listening, which by the sound of their comment, they're not anymore. But if they are, I will read that comment. I've been a little overwhelmed lately, and I haven't read it. But somebody said that I was being hypocritical in my post that I made about my job, and I need to explore that. And I would like to respond, but I can't right now because I haven't managed to read it. It's a long, long, long comment. But anyway, so I locked him in the bathroom, of course, terrifying for him. I mean, here I am, you know, I mean, you know, locking him behind, you know, it's just all so wrong. And But... I could see that he was a, it was obvious that he was a tomcat, and that means that he can create lots and lots of uh, more kid, feral, you know, kittens out there, and I'm on the side of, I'm on the side of um, intervention. Uh, I have to be if we want to stop domestication, the word de jour, right? So he stayed in the bathroom and I was really scared of him and he was really scared of me. <laughs> and we sat and we looked at each other and he walked around me. I mean, he just kept walking past me. He was pretty calm in the face. Of you. He, and um, and then the next morning I rang and I said, look, I need help. And these people were like, just take him to the SPCA. We, you know, we're just a volunteer group. And I rang this other shelter, which apparently is a no-kill shelter. There's one in Auckland or maybe two and they're like... And I was just talking, and I just needed reassurance and stuff. And the, and the woman was just like, "Can I get a word in edgewise? We don't have any room here. I've got a hundred cats. Call the SPCA or the Humane Society." And then she just hung up on me. And I thought, "Well, I'm stuck with them. I have to do something." So I, I finally called my work, and they're really, really indulgent of me, because I have actually taken a rabbit and a cat there before, before this. <laughs> and I, and they said, "Yeah, bring him in." And I could see that he had a hurt toe, his toe was hurt, um, it was all pink and it didn't look right, um, it just looked sore, and I said, oh, he's got a hurt toe, and he's, and he's, and he's definitely a intact, they call it, intact male, 
And so he sat on my lap in the shower. My bathroom is a minuscule. I don't even, you can't even really call it a bathroom. It's like a toilet and like a tiny, like a shower. And yeah, so we're just sitting there like inches from each other. And he's looking at me and I'm looking at him. And he's like, what are you going to do to me? And I'm like, please don't attack me. I won't hurt you. And he's like, okay. And then he comes over and sits on my lap. And he's just meowing and meowing. And I thought, well, this must be belong. You know, this, this cat is used to human contact. And I'm taking, this this cat must be somebody or other sort of takes him in but he's you know he's out there he's fighting he's making babies I'm gonna do something about it and I decided that I was and so I took him to work and sure enough his toe was badly infected from a cat bite and so they took care of that gave him antibiotics and his toe was better and then they said there's no microchip there's no collar and I said, well, I'll take care of him as best I can, and I'll try to find him a home. And all this time, you know, I'm I'm with this, you know, I could have just opened the door and let him run back out there. I could have done that. And I know there'll be people listening who are like, you should have done that. You know, you violated his rights. Who are you to, you know, take this free, you know, free sentient being and lock him in your bathroom and force him to get medical treatment and force him to get surgery so that he can't propagate, you know. And I I just, I've lived in, in, in places where there's so many just homeless um, non-humans in the streets. And, you know, it's different than humans. I mean, there are homeless humans in the street. You know, it's so different. It's so different when you're talking about non-human animals. Just their, their status as property in our... You know, we are just... It's just so wrong. And I... I did what I thought would help him. And... So he got in his medical treatment and he's, and he was, now he's no longer able to uh, create more kittens. And I took responsibility for that. I did that to him. And he stayed at the vet. They were nice enough to care for him for, you know, a whole week and do the everything. And then I said, well, and I was like, okay, I have to take him home. And I microchipped him as well. Like he's like some kind of like computer but this is another thing it's like if anything you know if he gets picked up by the SPCA and they're going to kill him which they will do he's got now something with my name you know I've taken responsibility for this sort of like refugee this this you know as best I could it's really tearing me up it's really tearing me up you know I just it's so hard I'm not very um used to it you know I really, it's so hard to not be able to save them all, or even three or four or five or ten, I mean, you know, it's so hard to not be able to do that, so anyway, he he got all the stuff, and then he was ready to go home, his toe was healed, he was all ready, and they said, take him home, and, you know, you've microchipped him so that if he runs away and he gets picked up by the pound or something, they'll scan him, and then they'll call you, and you can save him, you know. Um, and I ordered, and I put, and I got a collar, because if he's outdoors, I want him to, I want people to see that he has a collar with a name 
tag on it because that's the only way to protect these them because they're property so you the only way to protect them at the moment until we change people's hearts and minds is to say that's my property <laughs> you know that's the only thing that people respect you know it's it's something you know they'll think twice before they do anything to them because they'll see that oh i don't know that this somebody's property it belongs to somebody you know but um anyway he um so he came home but it was a really bad situation because the poor boy just hated being inside i was it was just you know and I kept him in the whole night. I didn't get any sleep. Buddha, my cat, my adult cat, was utterly traumatized by the whole thing. She's like a very unique cat. And she's, well, maybe she's not so unique, but she was really, I mean, when I got Zebby, only now in the last, like, month, not, like, even the last week, right before all this happened, has she finally settled down to where she doesn't mind if Zebby gets on the bed with us. And actually, for the first time, um, with Buddha's knowledge, because Jebby snuck on the bed before without Buddha knowing, but as soon as Buddha wakes up, she freaks out. But now she finally has not attacked Jebby or tried to get her off the bed or jumped off the bed herself. So she's finally getting used to Jebby. So anyway, I bring this boy home, and I called him Duffy because I'd been to see the opera Macbeth with my mother that very same night. And I just called him Macduff because um, I'm not very good with names. I didn't name Buddha, and, I, and my friend named Jebby, really. So, you know, I'm not very good. Anyway, I didn't want to call him Macbeth because that was really sort of like a tormented and twisted character. Macduff was kind of like a good guy, but he lost his family, and which I guess, you know, all domestic animals have lost their families, every single one of them, except for a very few, maybe. Yeah, not every single one, but a very few of them have not lost their families, you know. Um, their brothers, their sisters, and things like that. Before their time. I mean, I know in the wild and stuff felines and 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 they do separate but not not at the rate that we separate them from each other no way and dogs as we know stay stay together in in big groups so anyway so it was a really rough night for everybody and um duffy was just i mean he was so tame i mean i really do think he belonged to somebody because he got on the bed with me and just went to sleep but then he just kept waking up and trying to get out and you know, I was basically going to just adopt him, you know, as best I could, uh, and try to hope that it would work out, and I got him vaccinated against cat flu, and they said, you know, you should do FIV, which is feline, you know, I can't, I don't even know the full name, but it's basically like HIV for cats, and I was like, yeah, I need to do that, because I did that for the, my other cats, and we did the blood test, and he tested positive, so what that means is his immune system is compromised and he really should stay inside. And if there's other cats out there that are not vaccinated, he could infect them if he bites them. Um, so it's a, now the responsibility is really big. And they told me that, you know, if I hadn't, if he hadn't come in my house and if I hadn't done what I did, he would still be out there fighting and infecting other cats. Also, if I had taken him to the SPCA, they would have killed him immediately. Immediately. And so I, I put ads up and I put it on Facebook and I said, Cat needs a home, urgent, urgent. But um, I kind of had a feeling he already did kind of maybe have a home. 
just because he was so tame and he was so, even though he hated being locked in, because I think the home that he has is like one of those places where they obviously don't take them to the vet ever or anything, but they just feed them and then they just have a place where they can go if they want. So it's almost like a free spirit, you know, but um, it's kind of, it's not really doing the most responsible thing. Um, so now he's, you know, the, I he came into my house on Thursday and it's now Saturday night and this all happened this morning. So he got away from me. Because cause Buddha likes to go in and out and the cat door is locked on one side because of Jebby. So it's, everything's like all in a turmoil with the, with the whole sort of cat situation in my house at the moment. And I don't, I don't like I say, have an ideal. It's like a really small, like there's one door and um, everything's just really cramped. And um, so he got away. Like, you know, he escaped from my, you know, my prison imprisonment, right? But I managed to... Like, I, he was walking across the lawn, he's looking back at me, and I was like, no, you know, come back. And he's like, no, I'm leaving. And then he he got to the fence, and he hesitated, and I caught up to him, and I grabbed him. And, you know, I, I forced him to come back in my house, and I locked him in again. And I put the ads up, and I was just hoping, you know, that there would just be this magical person that would be like, I will, I, I have an apartment, and I, because he's so friendly and so affectionate. And, you know, they just keep him inside, and he wouldn't be around other cats, and he would live, like, a long, healthy life, um, but he would be their prisoner. But anyway, at about, oh, I think it was, like, 6 o'clock this morning, um, or 5 o'clock, I mean, I lost track, I mean, I literally did not sleep, like, none of us did, like, maybe half an hour of sleep I got. So Buddha was in and out and she was freaking out and she wanted to come in and I, I, he just got past me and he, I was just careless and he got out the door and this time he wasn't taking any chances and he, he made it to the fence. You know, he looked back a couple of times, you know, but he's just like, no, you know. And he's gone and, and I told everybody at work, I was like, you know, I, he's gone and I, I don't know, you know, what to do, and they said, oh, he'll come back, he'll come back, he's astray, you know, he'll come back around, I really do think that he, he did actually have, like, a home base, and he was just a tom who was just roaming, it turns out Jebby was not in heat, and she hadn't gone into heat ever, it was just a coincidence, he was just roaming, and I don't know, maybe, maybe he needed somebody to fix his toe, I mean, I try to look at the positive side, but, um, I have no idea where he is. I couldn't catch him. I mean, I don't know if anybody's ever tried to, like, you know, he climbed through this, like, gap in this fence and then ran down to this construction where they're doing construction on this house, and he's just, there's no way I was going to be able to keep up with him. He's just gone. And I haven't seen hide nor hair of him. I haven't heard him. The people at my work say, yeah, he'll probably come back, but I just, I just have a feeling that he's gone back. And I just think, well... Maybe it's a good thing because because he's no longer out there trying to breed and stuff. He won't be fighting. He'll stay home more. Um, maybe he'll just relax and 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 whoever is feeding him or taking care of him will have a cat who's around more. And and at the very least, his toe got healed because obviously with with that infection that he has, sorry, with the disease that he has, you know, infections are bad and. Um, you know, it was a good thing that we took care of that. It healed up nicely. 
And other than that, he was in great health. He was in great health. I mean, anyway, I just want to, again, like, one of the most important, important things about this whole, about the whole abolitionist approach to animal rights is domestication. We, it's, it is wrong. You know, it's wrong. And that's just one example of, of, you know, we we should not have these powers over over other living sentient beings, and we're forced into these situations because of this situation. Because we, you know, if that was a little child, a human child, that I, you know, was roaming around or homeless or something. I would have done the acted I mean I wouldn't have had to do forced surgery or anything like that you know because the human child would have been brought into their world the human world you know where everything was is made for them so I would have taken the child in and I would have called the police and there would have been endless help for that child now nothing's perfect I know that things are far from perfect children suffer horribly there's so much that we need to work on you know but it's different when it comes to non-humans. I was at the vet the other day. I was at another vet buying a collar because Jebby um, is not, no, she's not able to have children anymore. And she has like four stitches in her belly. And we want to make sure she doesn't pull out the stitches. And I don't think she will. She's been really great. Uh, but I just had to buy this like collar, this awful plastic thing, just in case she started pulling out her stitches. Because you, you know, that's the only way to sort of prevent them from pulling out the stitches is to put this awful Elizabeth. They call it Elizabethan collar, and I'm sure you've seen them these plastic things. But I haven't had to use it, and it's all good. But you know, I was buying the collar, and this I've heard this so many times before. Let me tell you, and there was a cat and. I got there quite late and there was a cat in the waiting room and the person and then she was paying the bill and I'm not going to say the vet or anything it's just one of those things that she was paying the bill and the the bill was quite high <laughs> and the vet the person the receptionist who was dealing with the bill kind of had a little nervous laugh she said oh that'll be such and such thank you and then she kind of like ha they just boy they rack up the bills don't they the little little fellas or whatever she said some sort of light banter because it's like you know I can't even explain it and you know the woman said yeah it's lucky he's worth it and you know that's the terrifying thing about domestication is if this woman didn't think he was worth it she could tell them to kill to end their life, to end their life, um, you know, and there is health insurance, I don't know about any other country, but I love the fact that there's health insurance for cats and dogs, I have health insurance for Jebby, $15 a month, you know, I can afford that, and that covers, you know, emergency surgery and, and, and things like that, in New Zealand, you need that if your cat goes outside. In any country, if your cat goes outside, you need that kind of stuff. Uh, Buddha, I can't get it for her because they won't do it for a cat that's over 10 years old. They refuse. So she doesn't have health insurance. And it just terrifies me to think of being presented with like the option, well, this is going to cost you $5,000 or you could kill her. 
and I do not have money. So it's the worst because if it was humans, like I know in other countries it's not the same. I know in other countries there's really no medical care even for dying children and stuff. But it's still on the odds, on the overall odds, it's better, you know. Humans are generally doctors, human doctors, are dedicated and will, you know, something will happen to help save this, 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 this life. There's more of a chance, should I put it, way more of a chance to, to work something out. If the hu- if there's a human that's whose health, you know, like this FIV cat, there are people, maybe even people listening, who are like, well, he should be put down. They call it putting down because he's, you know, he's out there and he could be infecting other cats. Well, true, that he could be infecting other cats if he was fighting and biting them. But as a responsible pet owner, I vaccinated my cats against that virus. Uh, we can't do anything about all the feral cats because they don't have homes. Because people are allowing their cats or abandoning their cats and not fixing their cats, and not and not taking care of that. And you know, so it's just this huge, incredible, terrible mess. And you know, when you're caught up in it, when you're caught up in it directly, like when you live in a city where you walk past and you see all these animals and you know that they are homeless and that they are actually in a very hostile world, city streets, you know. And you feel so helpless, you know. This is our mess. It's just, it's just so wrong. And you know, this, this. I've been at the vet before where people are like, eventually, huh, I'm just going to stop paying for it. And well, to be honest, I know these people. It's hard for them. They don't have money, you know. Um, in this world we live in, there's, if your pet's over ten years old or whatever, they can refuse to insure the pet. Um, and, you know, it's not like there's government subsidies or free health care for non-humans the way there is like in New Zealand. You know, if I had a terrible accident and I had to go to the hospital, the government would pay for it. My mother wouldn't have to remortgage her house, right? But if she's my cat, I'll forget it, you know? Um, you better hope that you have a kind-hearted vet who will, you know, and here I am and... And I want to get onto something more positive now. Uh, this is leading to something positive. It really, really is. Because the more I've been thinking about it, like domestication, like I know a lot of people can't understand. They say, well, how could we imagine living without sharing our lives with animals? And let's forget animals that we're breeding for slaughter. Let's just only, you know, talk again about animals that we share our homes with or whatever. It's just so hostile to them. And, and I I would so prefer not to, to, for there to be any domestic animals. You know, we would stop breeding them. There would be no killing of them. We would allow them all to live out their, their, their natural lives, but we wouldn't create any more. We sort of, you know, we're just these like evil scientists in these laboratories with, you know, with our little DNAs and stuff. We breed them, you know. And the fact that they've gotten away from us and they're out there breeding, well, hello, I mean, what'd you expect? Anyway, I think there would be a lot of, um, 
a lot of people, even even people who are not vegan, I know people who share their lives with 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 um, dogs and cats and rabbits and 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 all kinds of different animals, and they see this unbelievable, unconditional love, and this incredible beauty and joy for life, and this absolute sincerity. There's no pretense. There's no deception. You know, people make fun and say, oh, my cat's deceiving me. She pretends to be hungry when she's not. And, oh, they play all these tricks and stuff like that. They do have minds and they do play little tricks and they do have moods and stuff, but not the same way that we do with regard to, to deception and to to ill will, you know. There's no ill will. And I look at them and I, and then people say, and these are like I say, everybody, like even people who are not vegan, they say, I most prefer animals to humans, you know. And I think, well... Okay, so we've learned something. Look at what we've learned. We've learned by observing them what true, real love is and what uh, honesty, total lack of guile, no dishonesty. Why, Why can we not behave that way towards each other? and leave them out of it and we, we live in our world you know our cities you know i used to i used to want to go to africa because i was always uh, a huge admirer of of all animals and, and and big cats and i wanted to go on a safari and look at them i am never going to go and go go to africa and go on a safari i'm going to stay in the city where i belong as much as I would love to live out in nature, I'm really not equipped to do it without creating some sort of havoc. You know, from my puny little hairless little sun, you know, sun sort of affected and cold affected body to go out and live where animals live, I would have to destroy something to create myself a shelter that was good enough for for what I needed to stay healthy. I mean, I would have to um, probably take over some patch of land to grow some crops. You know, it would be taking and taking and taking. I mean, we could, we should just stay. We should, you know, I would just go back to New York City. Like, if the if the human race goes vegan. Um, you know, we, we we need to stay within our boundaries and, in fact, make those boundaries less. We really can make those boundaries less because we use so much land for domestication, so much for domesticated animals, you know, farming animals. We could actually give some of the earth back that we've taken and just leave it be. This is where we can be and this is our true selves and, you know, peace and and this non-violent nature, you know. And it sounds, to me, it doesn't sound ridiculous at all. Um, I don't understand why this concept of non-violence, it seems so unattainable to everybody. They're like, never going to happen. I'm like, why would you even think that? And, you know, what we do is we make music and I was thinking, you know, what we do, the humans, you know, we love to joke and we love to write and we love to talk and we love to dance and we love to eat and we love to do art and we love to look at nature 
and we love to be with each other and we fall in love and we have these intense feelings and right now I I just am so sort of distracted with all this domestication stuff but you know I look around me and I see these people doing all this and I'm like you know we we could have so much fun and we could take so much violence out of our lives you know I listen to the BBC and and I just laugh to myself because they're so busy worrying about these these really silly things and killing each other over it killing each other over it and anyway I'm just I'm probably rambling today because I'm I'm um yeah I'm wishing that I was in a different world but I'm not in a different world I'm in this world and but I I'm learning to I think I was speaking with Gary Francione um, on my last podcast and it really helped me to hear him say about this misogyny because you can get caught up in that. We could have so much fun. We could have so much fun if we just stopped the killing and the slaughter and just enjoyed ourselves. You know, we can appreciate what we're good at. You know, we have a right to live, but we don't have a right to do what we're doing to the all the other animals on earth and to the earth herself or itself but we have a right to to be the best that we can be and we have this you know we have such creative you know minds you know we could use them for so much good and we do look around you you know look for the good um tap into those people first let's get to those people first you know um there's a lot of good people out there we just haven't reached them yet. We just haven't reached them yet. And um, it's going to take a few of us to start, you know, we have to kick up a bit of a fuss before they start paying attention to us. That we do. And um, we're starting to do that. We're starting to do that. They can't, you know, we're, we're this little, like, with this little noise, you know, in the background now. We're going to get louder. Um, the truth is on our side, you know peace and non-violence and good is on our side we you know i think if you know because we 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 just think all the time we we just walk around thinking all the time i'm constantly thinking about all this stuff and i'm like you know i work at a vet and i'm like well if there was no domestication there would be no vets there'd be no vet nurses there'd be no vet clinics there'd be no animal hospitals you know well There'd be other jobs, other things that we can do. There's so much, just basic survival alone. When we decide to survive in a respectful manner on the earth, it's going to take a huge amount of effort on our parts. We won't have time to obsess over what Britney Spears' hair looks like. We'll be too busy putting all our creative energy into dealing with the mess that we've created and creating a new world and recycling in an you know some sort of really profound way finding a way to live without without ravaging the earth anymore surely we have enough junk to build houses and crap that we need i mean come on you know we'll have all this stuff we'll be putting our energy towards a po- just you know basic survival and it will actually be very creative. And then when we do have downtime away from 
when I say basic survival, it's not like I'm saying we're going to go back to the caves. I mean, we're never going to go back to the caves. We've got cities that we have created that, you know, are concrete jungles. Well, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I don't know what's going to happen in the next thousand years, but I foresee hopefully a lot less concrete and a lot more sort of either recycled materials or, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I hopefully see less of a population growth. Um, I think people need to consider adoption rather than um, procreation. I mean, we are also over breeding and um, there are people speaking out about that and I really do appreciate that I'm trying to think of a way to make a poster for my stall which has sort of been on hiatus because of the rain and because I've been going through all these um, cat situations but um, you know I I sometimes I, it's so hard for me to communicate these ideas because I, you know people are really into like technology and playing video games and stuff like that um, I do think that we have the ability to um, enjoy doing things that we perceive as not enjoyable. I just imagine a world where we just, we don't have any more prisoners in our homes and, you know, we don't have, we don't have to worry about them. I mean, I, it's, it's really stressful for, for, for us to own a living slave because you you know you you and some level you you know everybody on some level realizes that this being feels and is suffering when they're sick or when they're in pain and their lives are in your hands and um and and, and yes your children's lives are too to a certain extent but our world is is more conducive for humans not not non-humans let's let's really enjoy each other's company and so we don't have to have pets to teach us how to be honest and and not you know and true and 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 love unconditionally you know we can we can be that you know i you know if i wish that i lived in that world I mean, I have Buddha next to me, she's purring, she's on the chair, and I mean, my heart just fills with love for her, and and I know she, she trusts me to a certain extent, but she never really fully trusts me, because she knows that I control everything, and she's totally not in control of her own life, you know? It's just wrong, and we we don't have to do it anymore, and we need to stop. We need to stop it, and we can. It's going to take a lot of work on our part, and there's going to be a lot of heartache. No matter how you look at it, there's going to be heartache, but we have to be we have to do, we have to go through the heartache of dealing with the terrible situation that we've created for everybody. And there will be a lot of joy and beauty because we will recognize, all of us will recognize the inherent value of sentient beings. We will decide 
that it is wrong to perpetuate them and breed them like machines. We won't be killing them when it's convenient for us. We will appreciate them for who they are and try to give them them the best life they can have as much as they can in our in our world and let them live as best they can in our world and try to keep them as happy as we can and and when you give and when you when you try to be be good to somebody whether she is a cat or she's a dog or there's a an elderly person or your neighbor or something it's very rewarding too um, it's, it, it goes both ways and then we can end the domestication and then and of course I'm obviously I'm talking about all the animals that we breed for you know their body parts that we slaughter you know that of course is part of this um, and then when, imagine just imagine what it's going to be like when we're free of that how free we're going to be from these shackles of domestication that we've put on ourselves as well as on all of these these beautiful beings you know it's something that we can aspire to and we're going to get there it's the right thing to do but in the meantime you know if you're out there and you're vegan and you're you're faced with these agonizing decisions you know, I just know that, you know, just remember this is an individual and you have control over the situation more than the individual does. You must take responsibility. Please take responsibility as best you can. Even if it's just providing whatever comfort you can, even if you are hesitant to to take action the way I did or the way many people do try to do what you can for each individual that you encounter out there and when it comes to the animals that we can't help right now that we have no control over what happens to them and I'm talking about the pets that belong to somebody else who the law recognizes that they're, it's their property or to the animals on the in the awful farms and in the labs and the circuses and things the way that we can help them is by never failing never failing to stick up for them in everything we say and do and to you know, force people to face what they're doing. Don't be scared to tell the truth. We can help those animals by creating a vegan human race. And the only way to do that is to be honest about it and to really never waver. Don't waver. I'm going to end this podcast with a quote from one of my favorite websites and I recommend people go there whenever you're feeling down um, or confused or overwhelmed go go to Randy Sandberg's quotes on slavery website I'm gonna read something by one of my favorite um, quotable people Randy 
<laughs> introduced me to him. Um, the only other person that I could compare him to would be Gary Francione. But I'm going to read you something by William Lloyd Garrison, who is a, he was a, f a fighter against human slavery in America, and literally only 150 years ago or so. And that's how recent it was. Um, and I don't see any reason why this all can't be exponential and together at the same time. I mean, it's it's all going to come together. This is about the end of prejudice. This is about the end of exploitation. This is about the end of injustice. This is about the end of discrimination. This is about peace. This is about nonviolence. So all of those things that are violent, that are discriminatory, that are prejudiced, that are exploitative, are dealt with by this movement that we are creating. And it's happening right now as we speak. And it's really the only thing that uh, matters to me. And I hope it's the only thing that matters to anybody after a while because we need to hurry up. Everybody's survival is, is dependent on it, including billions of non-human animals. So I want to read you um, a quote by William Lloyd Garrison. And it's just something to think about. I love the way that he puts things. Okay, this is... William Lloyd Garrison, in January 1st, 1831, he says, I am aware that many object to the severity of my language, but is there not cause for severity? I will be as harsh as truth and as uncompromising as justice. On this subject, I do not wish to think or speak or write with moderation. No, no. Tell a man whose house is on fire to give a moderate alarm? Tell him to moderately rescue his wife from the hand of the ravisher? Tell the mother to gradually extricate her babe from the fire into which it has fallen? But urge me not to use moderation in a cause like the present. I am in earnest. I will not equivocate. I will not excuse. I will not retreat a single inch. And I will be heard. So there you go. 1831. Well, that's about how I am with regard to this issue. So thank you, William Lloyd Garrison. And thank you, Randy Sandberg, for your wonderful website. And thanks to everybody who's listened. And thanks to everybody who's out there not equivocating and not excusing and not retreating a single inch. And who are being heard. Thank you so much. I hope to be back next week. Bye-bye.